Welcome back, Two Hats family, to the Two Hats podcast. This is episode number 29. I am Chris, your favorite tactical probation officer, and my wonderful co-host... Is Brittany your favorite PO? And that's to be debated. Hey, welcome back to another episode, guys. We appreciate you guys being here, being part of the family. We have a new family member on today. Big shout out to Gerard. Gerard, say hi to the people. What's up, people? How's everybody going? All right, all right. Uh, so, Gerard works. Tell us where you work. Where you work at, Gerard? I work for South Carolina Department of Probation, Parole, and Pardon Services. Ooh, that's PPP. Sound like one of loan scams. Hey, hey, man. Actually, believe it or not, I went to Bojangles once for lunch, and I had somebody. They um. They bolted out the back door because they thought I was the those triple P loan people. <laughs> That's funny. The first uh first two questions we ask everybody is on a two hat scale, with one being a social worker to a ten being a deputy sheriff cop. Where does your department lie on the two hat scale? I'm gonna give it a strong about a strong six okay. for me for me personally. I mean that. You now we talking, about, we talking about you person. We talking about the department now. The, where do you think the department is? So for me, I think I think we're right in the middle. Um, our agency is really really reserved, um, and we 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 stay within the realm of probation and parole agents. We don't go above and beyond too much beyond that. Yes, we do have arrest powers, but not to um, the extent that your normal deputy sheriff or police may have. Okay. So then, my follow question and where's Gerard on the two hat scale? I, you know, I'm with I fall within the policy and procedures of our department. So for me, I fall within a probably about a five or a six that myself. Like, that sounds like the politically correct answer. But I'm gonna let you make it. Okay. So what, <laughs> what made you decide to get into this field? Before I even got into probation and parole, I uh, I used to work for Blue Cross and Blue Shield for about six years, and um, company started doing layoffs and unfortunately I got laid off. Um, so while I was searching for another job, um, George Floyd situation happened. Um, and at the same time, uh, with our department or with our agency, we have a position known as what they call an OS. An OS is an acronym for offender supervisor specialist. Um, so there was an OS position open, and the purpose of the OS position is to allow the agents to, to give more focus to the higher level offenders on supervision. So um, because sometimes your caseload can be so swapped with these low-level offenders. Um, they, yeah, they created, they created a position called OS, and the OS focus is just primarily, you know, doing intakes. Uh, managing these lower level offenders, supervised, um, lower level offenders. Um, so that was my entry into Department of Probation and Parole. And I did have a couple of years experience uh, working in, in the corrections, um, not on the state level, but more so on the county level. So I, I'm pretty sure that played a large role in me actually getting the job. Um, but for me personally, with the George Floyd situation, you know, I wanted to do my part to try to help out my community and do my part because you can't do anything sitting on the sideline. You have to actually get in there and get your hands dirty and 
and try to help. Um, so for me, probation and parole is more so helping people more so than versus one to take immediately to jail. I'm, if you're not in this field to try to help somebody, you're in the wrong, you're in the wrong field. I say that all the time. Give us a little bit about your um, educational and work background. So I graduated from Coastal Carolina in, uh, in 2012. That was my second time around. Uh, the first time around when I first went to college, I went to uh, South Carolina State in Orangeburg and screwed that up royally. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, we've all been I, there. I, you know, yeah, the first go around is really not the best. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I party hard. And um, so before I moved to the area that I was at, I was into corrections. And once I got certified in that, that was pretty much my opportunity to get out of the small community that I was from. So I started applying to some of the larger counties in the state to try to transfer um, my employment. And from there, um, like I said, I, I did correction for like another year and um, some, some other unfortunate events happened. So with that, when one door closed, another opened and I was able to go back to school and get my four year degree. So um, I did that. Also, I've worked with um, I worked juveniles in the DJJ DSS system before at a group home for for a few years. So that's also some because some of them same kids that I supervise or that I uh, had at the group home was I've seen them come through on probation. I've mm -hmm. seen them come through on parole. Um, so that and like I mentioned before, I also did some work. Um, with insurance of Blue Cross and Blue Shield customer service and entering claims and things like that. And after six years, company did layoffs and unfortunately I was one of them. So that was led me to a probation and parole. Mm. It's crazy. Do you have to have a certain uh, degree in your area to get that job? No, actually. Um, well, they want you to have, so the criteria to, to, to be a probation officer is uh, four years with a, ba a four year bachelor degree. They want you to do have like 15 hours um, toward community service or um, some kind of service. public service, not community service, maybe like, um, <laughs> um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, yeah, kind of sort of, kind of sort of in a way. Um, but if you don't, if you don't have a four-year degree, um, you can have an associate degree and two years experience of law enforcement. Um, and if you lack that, then of course you have um, mil prior military or prior law enforcement background will help you get a job in probation and parole. No, that's but no, good. but no, we don't cater towards you know having a certain degree or anything like that because God knows my degree is in business management. Okay, <laughs> that's what I was going to ask you. What kind of degree do you have? Yeah, business management. And so was it a, a hard process getting hired? Because I know we've talked to so many officers across the country, and some of the processes take six months, nine months. I'm like, what? So how was it in your area? So initially when I got hired um, on as the OS, um, that process took about took about two months. Uh, at the same time, I also think I think it kind of I think it depends on the urgency of how of how of how quick they need to fill that position as well too. Um, so to initially get my foot in the door at the hospital position, it only took a couple of months. And as an agent, 
a parole agent, it took a it took a few months only because I got hired during that process. It was right during the COVID time. So the process was it was a little longer then. Hmm, that's actually not bad at all. So how is the training? Is it like a six week thing? You have to go to an academy? What's it look what's it looking like? So here in South Carolina, uh, all C1 certified law enforcement officers all get the same training from the South Carolina um, Criminal Justice Academy located in Columbia. So regardless if you're a probation and parole agent, deputy sheriff, constable, wherever the case may be, we all go get the same training from Columbia. And um, so that training is 12 weeks. Um, the first four weeks you do at home. So they have videos and we take at home tests and things like that for the first four weeks. Then the next eight weeks, you actually go to the academy there. Um, so yeah, 12 weeks altogether. Have they always had that at home part or you think that changed post COVID? That changed, um, that changed around COVID and maybe, maybe even before COVID it changed a little bit, but yeah, at first it was all 12 weeks there at the academy. Mm. Um, but they've gotten away from that now. Was it hard to get through it? Mm -mm, you take it too long to answer. <laughs> I already know it was a beast, wasn't it? <laughs> so, I mean, as far as the study and the test and things like that, to me, no. Um, but, um, you know, from a, from a physical aspect, depends on how you look at it, because when it came to when it came to our, our PT or our physical tests and things like that, COVID changed a lot. Um, so they did have certain days out of the week that you would, you know, get up early in the morning and run and do things like that. But they put a lot of that stuff on the back burner because they didn't want everybody grouped together. So, you know, typically at the academy, you would have a roommate. You know, everybody had a room to themselves at the academy. Um, they didn't want us running together in close quarters. So a lot of the physical stuff was actually, you kind of did it independently. Um, and they, they would have, you know, uh, optional PT and things like that. But toward the last few weeks, it was mandatory. They made us get out there and we ran and things like that. Um, so, for, but personally for me, the hardest part of the whole process was the only thing that I had to take again was I had to take the physical agility test twice. Um, the first time I was just under the impression that, hey, you know, if I just keep at a consistent pace and I finish, I'll be good. But that wasn't the case. Um, <laughs> I think because I, I think if I'm not mistaken, I think the the um the time that you have to actually physic to to finish the PAT test, I think it's a minute and it may be like a minute and fifty seconds, maybe. Um the first time I finished at 206. Mm. Um so when I when I you know got the opportunity to go back, I said, listen, I'm not driving three hours of Columbia you know, to do, to, to fail again. I got one job and one job only. So I went all in and the rest so you is had to like run a certain distance in that short amount of time. We had to do. So actually the, the, the PAT consists of, you have to run. Um, I don't know the distance, but you have to run a, a certain amount of feet or a lap around this gym. And then you actually have to jump over hurdles, um, go under hurdles. You have to jump through windows pull the the 75 pound heavy heavy dummy um and then you go back around um 
through the course again or on the outskirts of the course again. So, yeah, all of that's com to be completed within like a minute and 50 seconds or something like that. But if you go all in, it's, it's possible. I've seen some people, I'm like, I don't know how you did it, but if they can do it, I can do it. I would have mm, been. There's no way. There's no way. Keep that. Mm -mm. <laughs> keep that. Mm -mm. I don't, I don't, why? Why? Yeah, like, I, I do all that. Mm -mm. Well, I guess, you know, sometimes they figure you may have to chase someone. Unfortunately, I haven't had to chase anyone yet, but um, <laughs> mm, I got a, I got a no chase policy, man. Mm -mm. Hey, hey, I feel <laughs> you, man. Keep it. Keep yeah, you safe. Too. Got it, bro. I'm gonna I'm 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 hurt myself and get myself out of breath for what? It's cool. This, this paper gonna catch you before I do. You're right. I, I get it. You put that one out on them. They'll slip up again. Every, like I have the I have the model. Every rat will come out of this hole eventually. You put that one out for them. They'll they'll slip up. So let me ask you this. Um, so you said that you guys go through a, a basically a police academy. It's like a basic police. What's different? So there's different levels of police academies in South Carolina. No, no. Everyone goes to the same police academy and gets the same training. Okay, but you said your academy is only what twelve weeks. I mean, so a regular police officer only does twelve weeks. I thought they do like close to like six months. Not here in South Carolina. Dang, y'all so get paid the same too. No, every every agency, every respective agency. Let me let me put that word: the respective. Every respective agency um, pays pays differently. So. Um, we're on a totally different pay scale. And, um, you know, our, luckily for us, our agency takes care of, they take care of our agency and they pay us well compared to, you know, some smaller municipalities or smaller police departments or sheriff's offices. We get paid pretty good on the state level. What's the starting salary? If I'm not mistaken, they just, they just bumped it up to about 45000 so average. Okay. that's not bad for us. So, first state. Yeah. And, and, you know, when I first came on, it was um, it was like right at thirty six thousand. Mm -hmm. So they, they they they've bumped it up about nine grand. That's only because, you know, to to kind of boost employee morale and, and retention mm -hmm. and things like that, because, you know, as you know, people seem like people don't want to work nowadays. I don't. I, I must have missed the memo. I, I don't right. know what's going on with people or how they can afford to live. Um, but that's their way of keeping us around and showing us, hey, you know, we appreciate you guys, we appreciate the work you're doing, and we'll take care of you. Um, but just like every other agency, um, you know, the real the the real bonus to start to come in when you have to pick up extra assignments and things like that. Um, so for me personally, I you know, I pick up our, our GPS team, um, you know, to keep track of people who wear ankle monitors and things like that. So that's an extra. That's an extra forty two hundred dollars a year. So you know, with all that, with the with with all that included, I bring in close to about fifty. Hmm. Okay, that's different because we we see we have we have mandatory on call for everybody that rotates to cover the on the uh, GPS stuff after hours. Um, but you guys have a officers that dedicate just just do that. It's it's optional if you want to join a GPS team. It's optional. It's not mandatory. Um, but yeah, uh, generally speaking, I work as a primary on-call responder once a month, and then maybe maybe once a month or every other month, I work primary secondary responder. I mean, I'm sorry, secondary responder. Okay, okay. But the reward so, the reward is so much better than the risk because 
there may be a week I might not even get a call, but regardless if I get a call or not, I'm still going to get paid. Nah, that's yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the thing. Yeah, same thing here. Um, trying to get back to the a little bit about the training. So I know you're saying you go to the police academy and Brittany, you remember what other state we interviewed where they had to go through a police academy too? Um Nevada. It was somewhere out west, wasn't it? Yeah, it was definitely in the west. That's why I thought it was Nevada. Nevada or New yeah, Mexico, one Nevada. of those. Yeah, Nevada. Yeah, Nevada, they go to a police academy. Um so my question to you is, since the curriculum is law enforcement based, then what do you when do you actually attend probation specific training? Um, with us, with our agency, they make us do a pre-qualification with firearms before we even go to the academy. So we have to qualify with our agency before we can even shoot at the academy. Um, now, other situations, we you know, we train with our own with our own department outside of the outside of the criminal justice academy. Um, those could be trainings such as, you know, warrant service, warrant service trainings, or, um, you know, mental health, whatever the case may be. Okay. So what kind of things do you guys go through in the police academy that is just not even an aspect or have anything to do with what you do on a day-to-day basis as a probation officer? <laughs> Standard field sobriety testing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that 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 would be. You have to go go through that. Yep, that's 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 part of it. Because, like I say, we get the same we get the same training as your as your as your street as your beat cop or your police officer. So you know that that with us that um, that DUI the standard field sobriety testing uh, certification is good up to two years. So I'll be due to recertify mine next year, and now I face a dilemma: like, do I want to keep it? Or do I not want to keep it? Because I'm really not going to use it. But you never know what the future may hold for you or not. So it's always good to have that other tool in your tool belt, too. Okay. So, like, if you do want to end up being, like, a cop or a deputy or something? You know, I always entertain the thought. But at the end of the day, I mean, I I like where I'm at because, you know, you're not going to beat the, the flexibility of, of, of the hours that I work. It's, it's great. What it's really good. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> uh, my hours are from eight to five, Monday through Fridays. No weekends, no holidays. Oh yeah, oh, the weekends. No sir. Oh man, we got, we, got, we got reserves, man. We got to do at least one weekend a month, man. <laughs> nah, not here, man. Somebody's on call during the holiday, but I mean, yeah, man. That's, that's what's your caseload looking like? Like the number? How many you carry on your caseload? So. <clears throat> Brittany, that's a fair question. Um, so because the way South Carolina probation works, um, and, I, and I can't speak on any other state, but ours is, our probation is based on what county you live in um, or the county that you, that you supervise. So um, the county that I work in, I, at this moment, I have 90, like 90 to 95 on my caseload. That's it. Whereas that's it. Whereas, you know, some of the larger counties, you know, it's typical for them to maybe have 100, 120, 130, 140 okay. on their caseload. Um, and once again, just like I touched on earlier, that 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 opposition, that's where that comes in at because if you have a caseload of a hundred, there's a good chance that probably 60 to 65, maybe even 70 of them are your typical standards 
Whereas you can just diss them to somebody else and be like, okay, let me focus on these higher level offenders. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of that's kind of how we are. But we have well in the larger counties that that are that have more officers, they have specialized positions like the low risk officers that kind of deal with people that um. Do you guys have uh, online reporting for low risk offenders? What is like log in and fill out a report? And the officer only has to check on them like uh, periodically, like very rarely. Online reporting, that's different. I've never heard of that. Uh, no, but we actually have no, the, the only options for, for our low level offenders is, so for us, by policy and procedure, uh, I'm gonna give you the, the political correct answer, Brittany. <laughs> uh, so for us, by policy, with our standard of low level offenders, we have to make contact with them between every three to six months. Okay. And um, that can that can we have the description most of the time that's going to be your, your your telephone check in or maybe um, maybe like a FaceTime or something like that. I want to know how much time do you spend in the office versus out in the field? Because cool. me in Texas, when I worked in probation, I was in the office 85 percent of the time. If I'm not in court or it's either court or the office mostly. So what about you? That that's a that's a fair number. Um, I'm going to give it for me. I'm going to give it about seventy five percent in the office, and I'll give I'll give fifteen uh, percent to court, and I'll give the other ten percent to the field. However, they are pushing the agents to get out in the field more, and for, you know to get out of the office and go in the field more. So they've given us you know mobile mobile printers and things like that, so we can keep in our cars to keep us from having to go to the office. And we, you know, we have laptops to take with us and things like that. So you, do you prefer that or do you prefer being in the office? <sighs> I'm just curious, you know, I, cause I was an office girl. Chris, he likes to I'm, be outside. I'm kind of torn sometimes. It depends on the mood. It depends on the mood in the office. If I, you know, I can go either way, you know, for what, if, if I'm in the field, and I finish everything that I need to do. That means like, okay, I can take off for the day. I'm gone. I, I've done everything I need to do. I'm out for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, versus being in the office, you know, I have to take, you know, a lot of people try to get in. I, which I do have an agency cell phone. People have access to me. Um, but when you're in the office, you just you just happen to be a little, a little more subjected to certain things versus than when you'd be out in the, in the field. Yeah, you got a supervisor breathing out your neck and looking at you all the time, just walking by looking at you. I'm listen. I'm blessed. I'm blessed that I do not have uh, a, a supervisor that's breathing down my neck, always asking my whereabouts, what I'm doing, um, because I think my supervisor is aware that she doesn't have to worry about me. Um, you know, not not doing my job. I when she first started, I told her, listen, I may ask you some stupid questions, but you don't you don't ever have to worry about me doing anything stupid. <laughs> that's funny. That's a major perk of being in this field, you know, because you have that flexibility. I, I really like that mm-hmm. about the job. You yeah. can be in there, you can be in the office, you can be outside, whatever. Yep. Yeah. One reason I do like being in the field is because I, I like I like be, I like being out in the community and people seeing me. Right. I like I like networking is very important to me. Um so and then to take it one step even further, represent representation representation matters too um so you know when they when they see you know an african-american male and 
you know, most people get a little discouraged. But then, you know, it, it could take something simple as a smile or a wave, and then their guard comes down and be like, oh, he's just like me. I said, do people mistake you for the police? Yes, all the time. And and to, to piggyback on what you just asked me, I chimed in on uh on one of on one of your posts here recently about um, you know, with the tag about wearing the police on the back of the vest. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so when I'm out in the field, our vests do all they do say police. Oh. And and so for the last for since I've been in the agency, it seems like there has they've been kind of back and forth with um with what with what our uh, the placard on the back of our vest say because there has been one one time there that it says state probation, then it has said agent. Now they they were rocking with police on the back. So what is what exactly is your um your full authority then if you guys are you know wearing police? I could seem a little um confusing to the general public, you know, they're seeing all these PPP loan people and you mm-hmm. yeah. police and you know, um what exactly is your full authority and then what do you think their mindset is in terms of why they put police there? Because not many not many states or departments use police for their probation officers. Yeah, I can't I can't justify the thoughts there. I don't I don't know the ment- I don't know the mentality and what they were thinking there. I can't I can't speak on their behalf there, but you know, um I get approached by a good bit of people when they see that police on the back of my vest, you know, they they look at it as, as open, it's open question season. Like, what should I do in this situation? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, the first thing I tell them, like, where do you live? And they tell me, and I say, listen, you need to contact either your your city police or you need to contact your sheriff's department. Um, now I could, I could probably tell you what's going to happen, but to actually, you know, to actually get the, um, <clears throat> the answer or the, um, what you're looking for, you're going to have to contact that respective agency. Um, and I tell them, listen, I'm only on probation and parole and that's, that's my, that's, that's all I do. Do you have a lot of female officers in your office? In your area? I have, I have. <clears throat> So our county is a is a really smaller county. Um, so uh, we have two female agents and two male agents in my office. Oh, okay. So we only have we only have four in my office. Wow. Nice balance. Do you have to do your own drug tests, or do you send them out to another agency? No, we do our own drug testing. Um, so, of course, you know everybody does the standard urine test. Um, but when COVID hit. Um, things kind of change with us. So now they've introduced what they call the oral oral tox, uh, oral drug tests. Um, so that kind of helps us, you know, get out of you know because you know it's it's an issue when a male drug test a female or female drug uh, drug test a male. So when I'm out in the field, and I need a drug test. I can give you the oral test, and I don't have to worry about you know you mm-hmm. being violated or anything like that. Um. But yeah, there are some times where I, you know, if I have a female coming to the office, I need a drug test, and I, you know, I ask one of the female agents, "Hey, I, can you can you do this for me?" Do you find that that oral drug test is accurate, or again, a lot of false positives? <laughs> How is that? Man, that oral test is some BS. Sometimes I ain't gonna lie to you; it really is. Um, I've gotten some false positives, and I, you know, and I, I can't one hundred percent vouch for a person, but I'm, I think I have a general idea, like. I don't think you probably, why are you testing positive for amphetamines? 
you know, I and I don't I don't get that from you. You know, you you're probably on probation for for um you know maybe a simple possession or something like that. But amphetamines, like why are you testing positive for amphetamines when you pretty much made it very clear? Like I know you you probably smoke marijuana, but why but you shouldn't be testing positive for amphetamines. So yes, I've gotten some false positives. Um and depending on I, and like for me personally, I keep drug tests in the trunk of my car. So, you know, it probably depends on the probably depends on the way you store it too. Um so there's been some issues with 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 the oral drug test, but as far as the urine, urine ain't never lied. Right, right. <laughs> urine ain't never lied. Do you guys um do you guys get take home cars or do you have to share cars? How does that work? I love it. We get take home cars. Yeah, same here. Same here. Yeah. What kind Eight of what plus. you got? So <laughs> at the moment I have a I think it's a 2000 and I have a, a, a 2015 Ford Taurus right now. Um, prior to that, I had a Charger, was a, which was a piece of crap. Um, but now our agency, we're kind of starting to um, to get away from the, the Tauruses now. So we've um, we're starting to go to Explorers. Um, still have some Chargers, and they. Occasionally, you may see somebody with a Durango or something like that. For the most part, it's going to be Explorers or Chargers or, or um, the four Chargers with us right now. Okay. Why do you guys like having a take-home car so much? Because you got real excited, Chris. Why not? I mean, uh, yeah. have you seen you, – I don't know where y'all at, but the price of gas right now is just crazy. Mm-hmm. Listen, my car my car sleeps in the garage all week. You know what I mean? I, oh. I pull out weekends to go grocery no shop. Not it. You know what I mean? No like, doubt. That's it. I gotta if I gotta go like take the kids like an after school activity or something, then I'll drive drive my car. Besides that, stay car all day. I mean, I ain't going nowhere. I ain't going nowhere but to work at home for eight for eight hours a day. Hey, li- listen. Um, so I started with the agency in uh, June June of 2019. Uh, December of 2019, I um I bought I got a, my own personal. I got a personal truck. You know, I drive a truck. And when I bought it, it only had 48,000 miles on it. So here we are, November, three years later, and I've only put 10,000 miles on that truck in three years because that's right. just how often I drive it. Exactly. You don't got to commute to and from the office or whatnot. Yeah, it's just it's so much better. I don't know about you, but uh, one of the things here in my state is that the supervisors, they don't get take. They have a car assigned to them. But it has to stay at the office and they can use it for like trainings or if they have to like go anywhere or whatever. Um, but actual officers, we get take home cars. So like, you know, there was asking me like, Yo, you know, you want to be a supervisor one day? I was like, no, <laughs> what? Like, you don't understand how, 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 how important a take home car is to me. I don't think you understand. Why would I want to give yeah. that up? That's key. Yeah, that's, that's key. So all I hear y'all saying is that y'all save money on gas. That's, that's basically what right. wear that's, and tear that's, maintenance. You ain't got to worry about none yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, our call, our cars are they're leased um, through state fleet. Um, so they they encourage us to drive to drive these cars and um and put miles on them. So that's that's what I do. I mean, now from what from the stories that I've heard before I got there um, to what you were saying before, yes, they did have come to share cars. Um, at one point they had to take their own personal cars into the field to do home yeah. visits and things like that. I couldn't imagine what that would be like, but 
but yeah, um, some now some agencies they do have like um, <clears throat> well not agencies with well, some departments with us, some county agents offices with us. They do have the cage car, mm -hmm. um, because unfortunately that's one thing I don't like about our cars that we don't have that cage. Yeah. So you know, according according to our policy, we have to sit them up in the front seat with us when we take them to the jail. Um, but the car that I had before did have a cage. Um, but some offices do have that cage car, but it usually stays there at the office. And, you know, maybe, um, the OS or someone who's not C1 certified in the office, they can take that car to training if they have to go. Yeah, we have, um, we have one cage car. It's assigned to the chief. Um, but she don't ever drive it. Um, we can drive it if we want to. Or if we're making an arrest or anything like that, like a planned arrest, mm -hmm. we're looking for somebody, and we'll take the we'll take the cage car. But besides that, it shows at the office. Right. Gerard, what's yeah. your favorite part about your job? With this job, we can't we can't save them all. But if if I can if I could point one person in the right direction and help them, you know, gain some kind of sense of normalcy in their life, whether it be sobriety or you know, helping them get their kids back or helping them get in school, getting their diploma, degree or something like that. And that's a win situation. So whenever I see somebody win, that's one of the best part of the jobs for me. Do you feel like probation actually helps people or do you feel like it's more of a hindrance? Oof. It depends on how much they want to be held accountable. Right. Um, so, some people have an issue with being held accountable. Um, you know, when they, when they, and, and you said it a while ago, Brittany, in one of your posts that I that I chimed in on. You know, when the, when they sit in when they go into court and they plead guilty in front of a judge, all their public defender or their attorney is telling them, "Hey, you're not going to go to jail today. We're going to give you probation." So, like you said, there needs to be more transparency. Um, but ultimately, you know, they we have to do our research ourselves before because we get a court roster. Um, maybe like a day or two before court. So we actually run the names through the system and see if they've been on supervision before. And, you know, when they get to the court and they say, hey, we're going to take this guilty plea for probation, you know, probation stands up and make an objection to your honor. We just want to bring it to the court's attention. This person has been on supervision, you know, three, four, however many times. Uh, he's been revoked this amount of times. So from there, they, they should have a general idea if they're going to be successful or not. Um, now, granted, you know, it might have been 10 years ago when you're not the same person that you were 10 years ago. I know that happens. But for the most part, example, you know, two months ago, they gave this guy probation and he's been on probation five times with five revocations. So what makes you think he's going to be successful this sixth time? Exactly. I hate that. Golly. You want to get people the benefit of the doubt, right? But six times, like, come on. You do. Yeah. Like probation is just, it, you're not a good candidate for probation after a certain many times. Like, yes, it, it can be, it can be good for some people, but like, what makes you think, what makes you think this person is going to pay $10,000 in restitution? They don't have a job. That's probably part of the reason they stole it because they don't have the means to, to buy it themselves. Right. So here you are, you're thinking, you think of probation is the, is the cure all for everything like oh they got mental health issues okay let's give them probation um oh they don't they're 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 on heroin oh let's give them a probation so we can get them a substance abuse counseling and we can't we can't we can't we can't solve everything exactly a lot of people think probation is a money grab how do you feel about that do people tell you all y'all want is the money y'all ain't trying to help nobody well, for one, I tell them it's not like it's not like I'm getting the money. Um, you know, our, the department is getting the money. But 
um, yes, I mean, I explained to them the importance of being in financial compliance and things like that. But ultimately, you know, for me, as long as you know, you know, you're not getting arrested, you're working. Um, I understand because you have a family to support. Um, so sometimes your money can be tight, but as long as you're, you're, you're in compliance with your special conditions and you're working, you're reporting as you should, I can work with you around the money part. But, you know, if you're out here and you're testing, you lighting up my drug test and you testing positive for everything and you're not working or whatever, then, yeah, that's 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 a problem. I, but totally I, would never, I would tell somebody I would never I'm never going to well, I can't say never. But it's a high chance. I'm not going to put you in jail for not paying your supervision fees. But you have to show me here in South Carolina, our supervision fees are $50 a month. Mm. So it's $50 a month. And there's uh, so just with our department, aside from court fees and things like that, um, it doesn't matter if they get drug tested one time, 100 times or 1,000 times. They pay $20 one time for a drug test fee. And the supervision fees their accounts start from the day they plead guilty in court. They get probation. Your clock starts on probation. I mean, the supervision fees, $50 a month. And also here, they get, as long as you're on probation for over a year, a year and a day, whatever, 366 days, however you want to phrase it, you're eligible to get compliance credits to try to get off probation early. But to, to gain those compliance credits, you cannot be more than three months in arrears on your supervision fees. So I tell people all the time, I'm like, listen, just do the best you can. Even if you can't afford the $50, show me some type of effort. You can do something. I don't care if it's five or 10. Just do what you can. Do you guys push um, early termination? Like if you see somebody who you think is a good candidate for it, do you I'm a bring big it fan. up typically? Yeah. I'm a big fan. They look, I, and, that's, and it's an incentive to them because What's I don't think practice? they want to be on. They don't want to be so with us to be on early termination. You have to have. You have to pay. You have to pay your court costs off in full. You have to. You have to be current with the supervision fees. So if you're on probation for three years, which is six hundred dollars a month, I'm mean, sorry, six hundred dollars a year of supervision fees. You don't have to pay off that whole balance, but you have to be current. You can't be behind. As long as you, so, as your court costs are paid. You're current with the supervision fees. Your special conditions are completed, and you give me a clean drug screening, and. The other part is if there's a victim in the case, because we have to contact the victim and let them know, hey, this person may be uh, up for early termination if you're okay with that or whatever. If all of those points are met, I'm I'm a I'm an advocate for early termination because I can get you off my caseload and and, and focus more on somebody else. Right. Um, so I, I tell people all the time, like, listen, this is this is um this is a thing that we can do early termination, and then also there is a clause. Where court, their attorney may say, I would like to add a PTUP clause in there. I don't know if you're familiar with PTUP, but PTUP stands for probation terminated upon payment. So basically, as long as if your restitution is paid in full and your court costs and all that things are paid in full, we can close your case. Mm. So if somebody's eligible, do you have to submit some paperwork to the court? Like, how does that work? I have to, yes. So with restitution, I do have to get like a certification. Um, from my department that the that the restitution has been paid in full, and I have to get, um, you know, a document from the clerk of court saying that the court costs are paid in full. Um, but those are the only documents that I really need um, to do that. Because see, over here in my area, a lot of times POs will tell the offender that 
hey, you have to go hire an attorney to help you get off of this probation. Mm. And I'm like, why would you go spend all that money on that <laughs> when you could just spend the money on paying off the, the court costs and stuff so you can do it yourself? I don't want to assume. I don't want to assume, Brittany, but I'm on the impression. Are you in Texas? Yeah. Okay, just making sure. I didn't. I just, you know, I didn't want to. I just wanted to make sure. What you got to say about Texas? Hold up, rewind. Hey, I ain't got nothing to say about Texas. Oh, okay. Never been there, but I ain't got no problem with Texas. None at all. Just making sure. Just making sure. Yeah, I'm just verifying. Just verifying. That's it. <laughs> all right, let's get into a little more of the tactical side. So, what kind of uh, equipment are you guys issued once you uh, become a certified agent? <clears throat> So our uh, department carries the, uh, we have the Glock 9 millimeter. Which one? 19, 20, uh, 45, Glock, 17? Glock, Glock 19. You guys Glock have 19. Okay. Glock 19, the third, the third generation. Um, wow. And I, I've been hearing, I've been hearing some rumblings here lately that they're, we're going to, we're going to get some new firearms here lately. So okay. we shall see. But um that's the only thing as far as the tactical side that we're issued. We don't have any type of, we don't get the shotgun or assault rifles or anything like that. Just, 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 the, just the Glock nine. Okay. Do you feel um, like you can do this job without that Glock? <laughs> I tell you what, it makes me feel better about the job sometimes. But um, I, <laughs> that's you know what, that's a really good question because I feel like I could be successful in this job without that gun on my side, and I'm gonna tell you why. Because I feel like if I put, if you put me in any, any environment, I feel like I could talk to anybody. Um, you got to know how to talk to people and have that gift of gab and have to be relatable to people. The one thing that stuck out of my mind when I was at the academy the last couple of years is that the amount of young people, when I say young, I mean 21 years old, that have probably never had some sort of a real job that live their life on social media that do not know how to talk to people. But yet you're going to give them a job of authority to, to to be over someone. That's not a good look because they don't know how to talk to somebody. You guys, uh, you guys have tasers, OC spray, baton, that kind of stuff. My bad. We do have. <laughs> we do. We do have OC spray. Bro, that was a horrible um, segue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm direct to the but yeah, he hey, I, I you're right. He, I, and I forgot to mention because I sometimes OC spray gets away from my mind. We do have OC spray, and uh, we are going to have um, we are going to have trainings here um, that they're going they they want everybody to start carrying tasers. So we will have tasers, and luckily for us, we, we do not have to get tased if we don't want to. What? That would be optional. That would be optional. I go to taser training next month. I got I got I got I got to take that ride. OC OC spray was optional for us as well too. We had the option of getting uh of getting sprayed mm -hmm. or not. Nope, we had we had to get that too. I, I've i taken I've taken that ride before on a taser. Now I'm good on that. I don't I don't need that no more. You have the video? Can we see it? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know I don't, I don't. Yeah, we don't have any major rumors in my area. Um, it's 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 pretty good. It's okay for now. Um. Now, last month in the in, for our agency, usually in the month of October, we do our big war, um the big warrant roundups for all our our absconded uh, people that we may have on supervision. Um, so, uh, if I'm not mistaken, last month um, our agency probably rounded up close to 150 offenders during the month of offend um, during the month of October. 
that all absconded supervision. Um, but there, there was a particular situation where, you know, there it could have been, it could have been bad. Um, it could have been really, really bad. Um, so I have a guy on my caseload who gave me an address of where he's living at. Um, after numerous home visits and things like that, you know, the guy never lived at this address. He also has a cousin that's on probation and the cousin has absconded supervision. So we had gotten some tips that the absconded, um, the absconded offender was living at the address of the first offender. So we went to this address to serve the warrant on the absconded offender, being that we had access to this house because he, the, the first offender gave us the address of where we we're going to serve this warrant at. So we entered this house, no one was home, but in plain view sight, you know, there was a, uh, an AR-15 assault rifle just right there in plain view. So we follow up on another tip for this absconded offender. He's not at this address, but they tell us where he's at. He said, well, he just left. He just left here. And he, he went back to the place that y'all just left. So we go back to that residence again. And this time when we get there, one of the doors that was open when we got there first time, this time it was locked. We believe he was in that room, which is the same, which is the room that the AR-15 was in. So that situation was, that wasn't a good situation to be in because, you know, if he wanted to, he could have just shot us all through the walls. I would have been so scared. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It, it was one of those situations. <laughs> yeah. It, it was one of those situations where it could have got, it could have got out of hand real bad. Um, but we went and served the warrant with the, with the deputy sheriff and um, the deputy sheriff, you know, went and talked to his supervisor that we may have a barricaded situation. But the only thing that <clears throat> turned that from probably going down south even more is that because when we knocked on the door and we did not get a positive idea on the subject, we couldn't verify if anyone was in that room or not. They stood down from kicking the door in and things like that. So we, we left. Oh, wow. Well, I'm glad everybody got out of that <laughs> safely. <laughs> Nothing crazy. Yeah. Now, I did yeah. ask you before, what was your favorite part of the job? What was your least favorite part? My least favorite part, I'm going to say, is <clears throat> having to wear many hats on that job, whether it be, you know, uh, um, sometimes I have to be a cheerleader. <laughs> sometimes I have to be a counselor. Sometimes I may have to be a caseworker. Um, there are many hats that you have to wear with the job. And sometimes those chats are, those hats are, they're interchangeable really fast. Um, so for me, probably that, and also the paperwork that comes along with violations. Ooh, the paperwork, speak on it. Yeah, the paperwork, um, especially when there are multiple cases on that, yes. on that, on that particular episode, you know, it's it can it can get knee deep, especially if there's victims involved and there's restitution and incident reports, things like that. Um, it can it can it can get it can get really deep. I think we need a full episode on how to minimize or ha how to 
effectively manage the paperwork side of things because that seems to be a a recurring theme with a lot of people like that is one of the least favorites for a lot of a lot of us <laughs> chris I mean, we want to change our name from two hats to six hats podcast yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean when it comes to the uh the caseload the case management aspect of it the paperwork is is crazy um but I mean, I guess it also has to go to, you know, the fact that we are working in the criminal justice system and there's attorneys and they want to see paper and prove things. And, you know, what I mean, so I, mm -hmm. I, had a, I had a guy try to argue with me that he ain't know he had a report. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, dude, I, I had to go to court and, and swear to the fact that he signed the conditions of probation saying that he mm -hmm. knew he had to report. Because yeah. he really tried to get up there and say, All right, I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, come on, man. Yeah, and you know when when when, uh, when when violations happen, and I have to, you know, I submit to, I submit what we call the packets of all the paperwork to, you know, to rather to their be their retained attorney or to the public defender's office. You know, one of the first questions that they that the defense asked me is that, hey, you know, what what are you violating for? Yes, it's in the violation report, but when I say failure to report, they're like, oh God. They're like he didn't report because they know once once you don't report, like it's a wrap, it's over. Anything else they can they could probably make a legitimate excuse for or or something like that. But when I say failure to report, they're like, man. I mean, that's the whole point of being on probation. This <laughs> is reporting. That's why I tell you, you gotta you gotta show up. Uh, yeah, you, you, be, you, up. Be, you be telling them, Brittany. They don't listen though. They don't listen. <laughs> they don't I tell, listen. I tell, I tell them, them though. <laughs> I tell them, I like, listen, I will never, you know, fuss at you or knock at you for calling my phone more, you know, more than what I tell you to. I'd rather you call me because I got some people on my caseload when they call my cell phone, I see their number. I'm like, oh, I know who that is. I, I, I see that. I see that cell phone. I'm like, I know who that is. That's so, yeah, like, I need you to stay in touch with me. <laughs> yep. Keep you close to my side. Yep. Well, Mr. Hill, I want to thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of Two Hats Podcast. Uh, if you don't already, if you don't already, follow us on Instagram at Two Hats Podcast, also on YouTube, Two Hats Podcast, same thing. And let everybody know what we're doing over here because we are trying to grow the family. Hey, I love it. I love what y'all doing. I like this. I like this form that y'all gave for us. It's it's needed and um, it's very much respected over here. And my hats off and salute to y'all. Thank y'all. How'd you, you how'd you find us? Hashtags. Hashtags. I'm always I'm always looking for probation and parole related things. And uh my favorite PO was one of the first people I saw. So uh from there. I'm a, I'm after I gotta uh I, I just I just saw you on IG, so I'm gonna I'm gonna send you a request on IG too, my man. And uh but yeah. Yeah, I think so I'll accept that's that. How yeah. <laughs> Hey, for, uh, for all those officers out there listening um, and enjoying this uh, podcast, definitely make sure you hit us up at uh, Two Hats Podcasts on Instagram. Send us a DM if you would like to be uh, sit down for an interview. Um, you can also send us an email at Two, Hot, two Hats Podcast at gmail.com. Um, Brittany and I got something in the works. We're, uh, we're working on something new. We're going to try out for some future episodes to kind of, you know, keep you guys entertained. 
Um, definitely spread uh, the message about probation, parole, community supervision, community corrections, pretrial services, juvenile probation, whatever, whatever title they want to give us as we expand this family and promote what we do. Until next time, family, you guys be safe out there in these streets.